Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guest Rio Peterson, we play name songs. And then, kiddos, take your seats, break out your textbooks, and turn to page 142. Because Jared's teaching chemistry, and this stuff will be on the final exam. But first, your host, Jared Correa. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Legal Toolkit Podcast. I guess anything is possible. And yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though I don't own a reciprocating saw because I'm not out there demoing shit. I'm your host, Jared Korea. You're stuck with me because Montel Williams was unavailable. He's busy polishing his 1996 Daytime Emmy Award. That's right. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. Schedule a demo to check out our new e-signature platform at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today with Rio Peterson of Alps, I want to talk about lawyer side hustles. So, yeah, in a little bit, we'll talk with Rio about side hustles for lawyers, non-lawyers. She'll tell you about her own side hustle. But as with most things when it comes to being a lawyer, having a side hustle is, of course, more difficult. And guess what? Spoiler alert. It also invokes the lawyer ethics rules. I know that's going to be fucking shocking, right? Yes, you can't even get paid to walk a goddamn dog without worrying about professional ethics rules if you're a practicing attorney. Okay, well, maybe it's not that dramatic, but it's still something you should be aware of. So let's talk about it. So if you have like a side hustle off of your law firm, that's like a real business, the term of art for that would be a dual practice or an ancillary business. I like to use the term ancillary business because I'm cool like that. So what does that mean? Um, that's where a practicing attorney generally holds another professional license or owns or has an interest in a company that provides services that are arguably law-related. Okay, we're talking about ethics, and guess what? We're already in the gray area. What are law-related legal services? Who the fuck knows? No, no, no. Let me try and answer that for you. Rule 5.7 is generally where this definition will live, but basically... Here's a good one from Massachusetts, where I live. Services that might reasonably be performed in conjunction with and its substance are related to the provision of legal services and that are not prohibited as unauthorized practice of law when provided by a non-lawyer. Okay, here are some examples. Title insurance companies, financial planning services, accounting, real estate counseling, legislative lobbying, economic analysis, social work, psychological counseling, tax prep, you see that a lot, and consulting of all types, which is like you would think the stuff that other lawyers are getting into or lawyers getting into in terms of other businesses. Like I know a ton of law firms that have title companies. I know a ton of law firms that do tax prep work. So if you're going to do this, ideally, you want to do it through an entirely separate company, so another entity that also maintains data via separate software. So the idea is you run it just like an entirely separate business with a different set of software, or what you could theoretically do is create another company on an existing software that you have. 
Now, if you don't want to do it through a separate company, the bad news is it's kind of just like running a law firm. <laughs> so when an attorney provides law-related services through the law firm, in circumstances that are not distinct from the lawyer's provision of legal services to clients, the attorney's conduct in whole is still subject to the rules of professional conduct. Womp, womp. So if you offer law-related services through a separate company, one thing that you can do is you can disclaim what you're doing to remove application of some of, but not all of, the rules of professional conduct. As I mentioned, even if you're out there babysitting dogs, you still got to be ethical about it, which if you don't have a law degree, doesn't apply to you. So what does that mean? Like disclaim it. You have to basically tell the client what's happening. So you want to take reasonable measures to do so. And that would include a sufficient explanation to the recipient of the services preferably in writing, of course, that the additional services are not legal services and that the ethics rules, including the attorney-client privilege, do not apply. And this is this is like one real uh, touchstone of the legal ethics rules. You got to tell your clients what you're doing, even if apparently you are a lawyer who's running another business. So you are, as I mentioned, still subject to certain ethics rules. So Here's the deal. A lawyer's conduct in all business transactions is always subject to the ethical rules that apply to a lawyer's conduct. Generally, what are those ethics rules? Don't worry. They're mostly the big ones. Being dishonest, committing fraud, misrepresenting yourself, uh, violating criminal statutes. You know, the shit you don't want to do as a normal person anyway. And of course, um, we've I think we've talked about this before on the show, but you can't practice law inside of an ancillary business. So just keep on waiting for the passage of alternative business structures in your state or jurisdiction, which is no doubt coming in the next decade or two. You can be that patient, right? The other thing to be aware of is that you still can't advertise with non-lawyers. So that ancillary business and the law firm cannot advertise their services together. They have to be separate advertising schemes as well. And of course, noting that ABS is not available in most jurisdictions for lawyers, which means that you could run a business with non-lawyers, share fees with them, and also perform legal and legal-related services in the same business. Um, you cannot share legal fees with non-lawyers, even if you have an ancillary business. A couple more items. Referrals are kind of a bitch. If you're making a referral from the law firm to the law-related business, That'll fall under Rule 1.8a, covering business transactions with a client. And that transaction has to be fair and reasonable. And also, also here's the key part, there has to be full disclosure and consent in writing on the referral, which is a little bit of a bar. Now, when the ancillary business refers clients to the law firm, the ethical rules on advertising and solicitation might apply. And uh, that hamstrings you a little bit more as well. So not exactly making this easy, right? And conflicts are still in play. So if you have ethical duties to maintain the confidentiality of your client's information, and that would be broken by working with someone that was referred to you via a law-related business or that you 
is working with you in your law-related business, um, you may not be able to perform legal services for them. In fact, you may not be able to provide non-legal services for them. Uh, let me read to you from an article I'll talk about in a second. The attorney's ethical duties uh, to existing or prior clients of the law practice may prevent an attorney from rendering non-legal services to prospective business clients. If doing so would conflict with the attorney's duties of loyalty to law practice clients. So I was mostly kidding before. It's not impossible to do this, but it's probably best, well, easiest, if you're a lawyer and you want to start a side hustle to run a non-law-related business. It's harder to set up a tax prep business than it would be to run a restaurant, let's say. Um, or perhaps if you're Ben Affleck and decide to get a legal degree, you could just open a Dunks and get your shit for free. Though you can never personally escape those ethics rules that apply to attorneys simply because they're attorneys. Sigh. Now, if you want to learn more about this topic, uh, check out a great article that was written by my friend Krista Arcos uh, titled Wearing Two Hats dual practices and ancillary businesses. That's on the Massachusetts Board of Bar Overseers page. Um, the article's old, but it's still relevant. And I've quoted some of her stuff in this monologue, in fact. All right, let's find out more about what our sponsor companies can do for your busy law practice. Before we talk side hustles, bar associations, and more with Rio Peterson of Alps Legal Malpractice Insurance. Then stay tuned as we talk more about annoying songs in the rump roast. Partner with rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products and includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Okay, everybody, let's get to the meat in the middle of this legal podcasting sandwich. Today's meat is Canadian bacon, which is a weird type of circular bacon. Why can't we just all agree on strips? Rio, what is it about Canadian bacon? Yeah, you know, that's a question that Canadians ask ourselves all the time because it's not very good. It's like basically thick fried lunch meat. Like, I agree, strips, bacon strips, but thick cut strips. There's got to be a happy medium oh, there, you know? Right. None of that, like, thin, I don't know, papery nonsense. Yeah, you got to have nice thick you. bacon. Thick bacon. But not, not the circles, yeah. I'm yeah, glad no, we can clear totally that up. I agree. Well, I feel like I should introduce you now because we're right into it. <laughs> Here's our guest in Canada herself, Rio Peterson, the bar partnership strategist at Elps Legal Malpractice Insurance. Is this your da, first da, da, appearance da. on the show? 
Congrats. Um, this is a new job for this, you. This is my first appearance on the show. Yes. And this, yes, we are. That isn't, it is a new job. Lots of, lots of new things happening. <laughs> <laughs> How are you enjoying the show so far? We've covered Canadian bacon. It only goes up from here. <laughs> no, I is right up my alley. This is exactly what I came here for. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Now, I should mention that like people may know you from Clio, mm-hmm. the legal uh, software company. Rio from Clio. Like that was really yes. convenient that your name rhymed with oh. the name of the company. Like I know. Tell me about it. And I got to say, I am soliciting suggestions for Rio from Alps because it just doesn't quite have the same <laughs> ring. And I've been trying to workshop it and trying to figure things out, but it just hasn't been... It hasn't been coming really easily, so that's all right. <laughs> we we can work on it. Please let me send know. them in. Yeah, send, yeah, suggestions. send them in. Are, are you open to changing your name? Probably not. Um, no, I'm probably going to keep my name. Um, <laughs> but maybe Alps could change their name. Who knows? I mean, ah, that's a better that's a better play. Yeah, all right, Alps, but, if you're but listening, probably not. It's <laughs> rebrand. It's yeah. on the shelf. So a little rebrand, just just for me, just to accommodate me and my name. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about the Alps thing. Like, I mean, we've known each other for a while. We've been to a bunch of conferences. Mm-hmm. You've always worked for Clio in the time I've known you. So like, why did you decide to make the move now and why Alps? Well, you know, the Alps opportunity just kind of came along at exactly the right time. And it was sort of serendipitous. Yeah, I was at Clio for five and a half years. And that was a really incredible experience. I got a lot of opportunities there that I don't think I would have otherwise came across. But, you know, you kind of get to a point where you... You're running a program and you grow it and it gets so big and then, you know, sometimes you just feel like it's time to take the next step and the next challenge and move forward. So, um, yeah, so I uh, actually worked with Alps for several years through my role at Clio and they approached me and were like, oh, you know, we're looking at creating a position at Alps that's similar to what you do at Clio. Do you have any you know, kind of input about what that could look like. And I was like, well, I mean, maybe that could look like me, you know, (laughs) doing that for you. And they were like, that sounds like a great idea. And so here we are. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes. I was going to mention you're doing kind of the same thing that you were doing at Cleo, but like, it's kind of cool when someone creates a job for you and believes in you so much that they're like, Hey, you can build this platform out for us. Right. I have to say I was incredibly flattered. That's awesome. Like well-deserved and I'm sure you're going to kick ass. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) So let's talk about what you're doing, what you have done. So like, I think you mentioned this, you like work with bar associations. So like, what does that mean? So I have a very niche kind of specialization where I manage and nurture relationships with bar associations. So what that means is for Clio and for Alps and for a lot of other businesses out there, we partner with bar associations to basically provide value to their members and to kind of create a win-win relationship between the company and the bar to um, just help ensure the success of kind of lawyers across the country, really. Um, The more support we can offer, the better. And kind of through these relationships, a lot of the time they generate business for the company, but they also provide resources and kind of support for the bars and for their members. Yeah. So it's kind of like this symbiotic might be the wrong word, but you know, the relationship works for both parties. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's It's like, usually it's like product discount, right? For bar members and then some additional features. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
I think bar associations get a bad rap, actually. Like mm-hmm. I work with a lot of bar associations too. And I find that the people there are really open and interested in working with you. And yeah. that there are some bar associations out there that are doing some pretty innovative things. So like, what has your experience been like actually working with the folks at the bar associations to this point? Oh, it's it has been fantastic, particularly when you have staff who are really invested in what they do and understand the importance of the role that a bar can play in a lawyer's career, in their life. Mm-hmm. And it really depends. Like, I think the struggle often is that the staff are really, really excited and wanting to move things forward and evolve. But then you oftentimes end up with, say, a board that is not so on board <laughs> with that. And yes. so, uh, yeah, and that can be a struggle. And I I really feel for a lot of the staff. And the board changes constantly, whereas yeah, the staff it, stays in place constantly. It, Exactly, exactly. So the staff tend to have a really good uh, feel for what their members need, how they're feeling about things, and they kind of see all the kind of opportunities and places where we can work together, but then they have to run those things by the board, and that can be a challenge for them. Right. Absolutely. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. What's the coolest thing you've ever seen a bar association do? Because you've worked with a lot of bar oh, associations. Oh, I've worked with so many bar associations. Maybe there's more than one thing that you could think of. Oh, my goodness. So I think there's kind of two different ways that I would think about this. The first okay. is kind of, yeah, in terms of supporting their members, a lot of the bar associations have really started to launch programs to help with wellness, but also to help with yes. rural lawyers as well. Oh, so to help encourage yeah lawyers to start practicing in rural communities in order to increase access to justice. I really just admire that and think there's such a major need for bars to double down on that. It's a really kind of incredible initiative. On the flip side, though, I've been to a lot of really fun fun events that bar associations have put on. Um, I've got to Cruise Lake Champlain. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Were you not... Was that in Vermont? I, was, I think I not, was at that one at there. some point. I don't think I went yeah. on the cruise though. When when, oh, when well, we're, we're in did. Vermont, I like to like my kids were young. I like to throw rocks into the lake and try and convince them that it's the lake monster, <laughs> which worked what, for a little while. What's its name again? Champy. Uh, Champy. That's right. Champy and Lake Champlain. Uh, <laughs> As you might be aware, we've done a podcast on cryptoids previously. Oh, because we cover oh, any and all that. things at the Legal oh, Toolkit. Yeah. Love that. That's fantastic. Lake Champlain Cruise. That's awesome. Any other events yeah. stand out for you? Because bar associations get access to really cool stuff like locations oh. and also events. Yes, absolutely. So the uh, Multnomah Bar every year does uh, like Battle of the Bands where they have oh. bands that are that are run like that are all all legal, like all lawyer members. Um, and so they do a battle of the bands every year, which is um, pretty fantastic and a lot of fun. Mul- Multanoma? Um, is that what you said? Mul- Multnoma. Where's that? I think I said Multanoma, but it's Multnoma in Oregon. Oh my God. Wow. All right. Yeah. Shouts to Multnoma. Never heard of them before. Yeah. All right. But you, you, you had another thing that you're going to talk about. So I think possibly the funnest event that I ever attended was put on by the International Cannabis Bar Association um, in Las Vegas. So every year they kind of run a smaller event in conjunction with MJ BizCon, which is yep. the largest cannabis trade show in North America. And um, their party, I got to say, they really stepped it up. They had a crepe bar, they had oh. um, custom cocktails, they were, you know, 
naturally passing around some of the devil's lettuce. Um, naturally, <laughs> naturally, naturally, naturally. Um, but yeah, it was just a really, really well attended and a fun, um, that sounds amazing. interesting event. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. And everybody was just great to be, you know, go to an event where everyone's really smart, but also really laid back. So you have some great, yes. interesting conversations. Yeah. All right, everybody. So like, if you're listening, Cannabis Bar, I'm available for speaking engagements. <laughs> I'll just need a lot of Cheetos afterwards. Okay. Yes. So, so when people are like, bars are not fun, clearly we've dispelled that rumor. Oh, absolutely. I think there is a misconception that bars aren't fun, but it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true, particularly when you have folks who are really interested in doing things differently and listening to their members when they throw an event and yes. it doesn't go right. well. And then their members give feedback and then they change it. That's when you find those really right. fantastic um, events coming up. All right. So part of your job is educational programming for yes. bar associations, which I think is really interesting. And like, I guess, I guess there's two species of this. Correct me if I'm wrong. One is a bar wants to do something and you provide help. And another is like, I'm assuming at some point in time, bars are like, hey, can you just do programming for us? Like take it and run with it. Is that right? Yes. Or? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the biggest challenges that I find that our partners face is that they don't necessarily have a team large enough to have a dedicated content person. So yes. producing content that is timely and relevant and innovative can be a real challenge because they just don't have the resources. So that's kind of where I come in. That's where Alps comes in because we do have those people. We have folks who are dedicated to producing content and not just any content, but content that is relevant, content that is helpful and really designed to help lawyers be better lawyers, but also run better law firms. And that's kind of one of the ways that my program provides value is to support um, bar associations with that content piece. And that can look like anything from CLEs, you know, educational content to, you know, blog articles, guides on starting a law firm, you know, guides on marketing a law firm. It's not necessarily CLE every time, but it's just things that are designed to help lawyers fill in those gaps and help them with the things that they don't learn in law school. <laughs> Right. Which is a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I guess I should mention this too. Like if people at bar associations, probably either working with Alps already or want to work yeah. with Alps, you're like the best new contact for that. Oh, I right? am. I absolutely am. Yes. My email is rpeterson at alpsinsurance.com. So reach out. We'd love to work with you. <laughs> Very nice. I want to hit one more thing before we finish. Sure. Side hustles. Yes. Like, side hustles. I love side hustles. You love side hustles. I do. I think they're great. I think probably a lot more lawyers have side hustles than people think. And then uh, you do that in a formal way, like I talked about in the monologue, where you have a full-scale like ancillary business attached yes. to your law firm. Or you could yeah. just do like something on your own. Like you could yeah. go be an Uber driver or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So talk to me about that. Like, have you done that yourself? What do you think about it? What do you think about it for lawyers? Like, we can just have a broad conversation. Yes, absolutely. So for myself, I have done a side hustle. Um, over the pandemic, I actually did dog walking. So I'm very fortunate to live in a place that has a lot of nature nearby and I already have dogs. So I was like, well, I may as well get paid 
to walk other people's dogs. Um, so I spent most of the pandemic in the woods with a bunch of dogs. Um, and <laughs> Sounds like this starts to a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would just break out in some off-key singing and be surrounded by dogs and sometimes birds. And it was just magical. Um, but it, it was, it was both really good for my mental health, but also I made a pretty tidy amount from doing that. Um, and yeah, and it was very low stress. I think the key to a good side hustle is that it has to be kind of low lift and not necessarily less stressful than like your full time. Yeah. Less stressful than your full time gig. Exactly. Unless of course you're wanting to eventually make your side hustle your full time gig in which case. Yeah. But for me, it was mostly about paying off debt, which I did, and oh, um, awesome. keeping, keeping myself busy and making some extra money. So yeah, it, it, but it was also really, really easy to get started. And I think that's the key to a good side hustle. It's got to be like low yeah. upfront investment, low time investment, and high profits. So, <laughs> how many dogs do you have? I have two. You have, have two. And how many yes. dogs can one walk at one time? Oh, I think it really depends on the dogs. I would take up to six dogs, though, at a time. Oh my God. As many as would fit in my vehicle, really. It's like, it's like, it's like my nightmare. I'm allergic to dogs. So <laughs> yeah, you're like, you do the transport part of it, too. That's yep, so interesting. Yep. Yeah, I would pick them up. And I was very lucky because in the town that I was living in, there was nobody else walking dogs. And everybody huh. got dogs during COVID. So... I That's had wild. plenty of business. Yeah. Now, did you end up like advertising for yourself or did you use like a service for that? Like, how'd you yeah. start that up? Great question. So I actually used an app called Rover, which is specifically for folks offering pet sitting, dog walking, yes. et cetera. And it's like, so, is WAG another one of those or am I, am I I'm wrong not on that? sure. In Canada, okay. it's Rover. Uh, oh, yeah. WAG yeah. Sounds I think, like I think it WAG is, is something in the US, but go ahead. Keep going. Got it. Yeah. So initially, I got my clients off of there and I was a little bit sneaky and don't tell the folks at Rover, but what I would do is after our first meeting, I would say, hey, do you want to just take this off the app so that I don't have to give them a oh, cut? Oh, everybody does that. <laughs> and, and, I'm um, sure they expect that and, <laughs> and, uh, and budget for that. Go ahead. Agreed. Agreed. They, give, they send you lots of warnings about it, though, um, but I'm sure everyone does it. Uh, You're like, too so, late, bitches. <laughs> yeah. So what I initially, that's where I got my clients from, but then- after a couple months, I just ended up focusing on repeat clients. So I had folks who regularly, I would walk their dogs. I did some doggy daycare. So the dogs would just hang out with me while I worked at home um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and just focused on that. And I did that for a couple of years, actually. I actually wow. just wrapped it up shortly after the pandemic ended. It was, yeah, it was a lot of fun, like definitely a good side hustle, especially if you're looking to get some exercise, get out there and... Just chilling with like 47 dogs in your house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Each one their own little cash register. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rio, this has been really yeah. fun. Thank you. Uh, yeah, will you come back for our last segment? Oh, absolutely. Yes, please. Okay. We'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about our sponsor companies and their latest service offerings. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, accessible anywhere. Trust and general accounting is built in, so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder 
reminds you to bill for work you put into Client Matters so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. Welcome, everybody. That's right. We're back again at the rear end of the Legal Toolkit. That's right. It's the Rump Roast. Tell your friends. It's a grab bag of short form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. Now, Rio, as we went over, your name is Rio, which you're probably aware of. Mm-hmm. Really cool name, I think, honestly. But, but, as you may know, that's also a famous Duran Duran song. Are you familiar with that? I don't know. I've never heard that one before. You've never heard the Duran Duran song? I'm being completely sarcastic. I was named after that song. <laughs> no, I was hoping. I was. I, was. I was hoping that that would be the case. I was. <laughs> Named after the song? Yes. No way. I didn't know that. Came out the year I was born. Yep. Named after the song. Yeah. Now, was that just was that just circumstance? Like your parents heard the song and liked it, or were they like huge Duran Duran fans? Yeah. So uh, my dad was working on a project in the garage, and it came on the radio, and he said to my mom, "You know, hey, how about Rio?" And she was like, "Oh, that's great!" And yeah, here we are. (laughs) Okay. That's great backstory. I was like secretly hoping that would be the case. So (laughs) how many times since then has someone mentioned that to you and how obnoxious is it? So I used to be a bartender at some really divey little bars. And if I had a dollar for every time some drunk patron said to me, hey, do you dance on the sand? <laughs> um, I would I would uh, be really, really wealthy. Yeah, I'd have a lot of money. So yeah, I've heard that many, many, many times. And uh, it always is old. <laughs> it's always old. <laughs> that is yeah. so obnoxious. Um, so this is great. So I want to talk about other songs that have women's names in the title. That they're probably annoyed about. Yeah. I'm going to call this segment Name Songs for the Sake of Brevity. Love it. So here's what I want to do. I want to mention a song to you, and then I would like you to put yourself in the place of that person. Tell me how annoying it would be if you were named after the person in that song okay. on a one to five scale. And let's go with Simon LeBon heads, with five being the most annoying and one being the least annoying. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, Agreed. Okay. Okay. So just a quick digression here. My wife's name is Jessica. Mm-hmm. And I think she got off really easy here. Jessica by the Almer Brothers, a name song, <laughs> but doesn't have any words. And it's also like a legitimately good song. So like, what is somebody going to do? Hum at you for like seven minutes? <laughs> I feel like she skated by on this one. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, I'll give that a two. Because <laughs> I, I do feel like someone humming at you for seven minutes would be 
annoying, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be annoying. My kids probably do that to me on a regular basis. Um, So Duran Duran's Rio, like that's got to be a five for you. Five out of five. Simon LeBond heads, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Sometimes it's funny if I'm in the mood for it, but it's usually just a five. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A lot of songs like this, really annoying songs that guys wrote about their girlfriends came out in the 80s. Yeah. So are you familiar with Oh Sherry by Steve Perry? Yeah, I absolutely am. (laughs) Oh Sherry, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like that's like the whole song. It's a real wordsmith. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Now, can we talk about the fact that if they had gotten married in real life, her name would have been Sherry Perry? Sherry Perry. <laughs> it's got a good ring to it, Sherry Perry. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, in yeah. reality, like, I feel like maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. that would be obnoxious too. So let me ask you this, like, on a scale of one to five, how annoyed would you have been in 1984 if your name was Sherry? You think it would have gone to five levels? Oh, absolutely. So? Particularly because I feel like you would have had a lot of people being like, oh, Sherry. <laughs> Every time you said anything. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got another 80s song for okay. you. Let's do it. Eight six seven five three oh nine. Jenny, you know the song from Eight, Tommy six, Tutone? Eight six seven five three oh nine. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do know that song. <laughs> Excellent. I said, I got it. I got it. I got it. That whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then this guy's like going out with this girl, apparently, or wants to go out with this girl. And he's like, I found her number on the bathroom wall. That's like the whole thesis <laughs> of the song. It's like, okay. I'm not sure how potentially successful this relationship is going to be like, hey, I just call this girl whose number I found on the bathroom wall. She's going to love this story. It's going to end in a storybook fashion. Oh, absolutely. perhaps not. It's, it's a, it's. A quintessential meet cute, you know, <laughs> finding your number <laughs> on the bathroom wall. It's love, love, love at first sight on the bathroom wall, I guess. Sights but, of the graffiti. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I so, don't know what these guys are fucking thinking in the early 80s. Like yeah. all these songs we talked about so far are from the early 80s. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I so I think in terms of the name, like Jenny, I would I'm going to give that like probably a three, but I think for the person yeah. who had that phone number, it would be like a seven. <laughs> like they probably got so many right. random calls. Right, right. <laughs> Hello, is Jenny there? Go fuck yeah, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, this is good. I got one more. I'm going back to the 60s for this one. Oh, okay. Help me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Help me get around my heart. Yeah. I didn't know there would be singing involved, but this is great. (laughs) Neither did I. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the Beach Boys, right? Yes. Yeah. I love the Beach Boys. So I looked up the lyrics for the song, and there are only about 10 lines that aren't Help Me, Rhonda. Yeah. So you'd think normally that would be a really annoying song, but like the Beach Boys harmonize so well. Oh, they And I like the instrumentation in this song. I'm not like, that doesn't bother me. Like, yeah. I still like the song. Yeah. And I guess the question is, if my name was Rhonda, maybe not so much. Oh, I, I imagine you'd hear, help me, Rhonda, so many times. What if you worked in customer service and your name was Rhonda? You'd have oh. so many people. <laughs> That's like, a good one. Just help me, Rhonda. I mean, like, <laughs> you might have been like, hey, it's the mid-60s. I'm just trying to surf. Yeah. Please leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would, I would say a five. I would say a five. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I also. I think I feel bad for the Rhonda that that song's about because isn't it about her helping him get over another woman? Yeah, Rhonda's the rebound. Yeah, Rhonda's the rebound. 
That's not fair. It's kind of messed up. Rhonda yeah. deserves to be, you know, the main squeeze, I think. Especially yeah, for they should have done like <coughs> should have done a, a sequel to that song. That's on Brian Wilson, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. You really uh missed the mark on that one, I think. <laughs> Rio, this was great fun. Ah, Thank it you. was. Thank you, Jared. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for coming on for both sessions. And we will talk soon, yes. I'm sure. Yes, we will. I would love that. And just a reminder to any bar associations out there, yeah. Peterson at alpsinsurance.com. Just Get make in sure touch. in any email you send Rio, mention the song Rio by Duran Duran. Yes. Was that helpful? Please make sure to do that. Absolutely. And while you're at it, you can even put my email on a bathroom wall. Who knows? We'll get lots of lots of new partners that way, I'm sure. Uh, that's the next advertising campaign. Yeah. Thanks, Rio. Yeah, Thanks, everybody, for welcome. listening. Thanks. If you want to find out more about Rio Peterson and Alps Legal Malpractice Insurance, visit alpsinsurance.com. That's A-L-P-S insurance.com. Alps like the mountains, alpsinsurance.com. Now, for those of you listening in likely British Columbia, Canada, perhaps predictably, we have a new Spotify playlist for you. Songs about girls, including the ones we just mentioned. Now, sadly, I've run out of time today to talk about relative density, mostly because I don't know what the fuck that is. This is Jared Korea reminding you that one way to make your mark is to step in wet cement. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.